Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm so honored to be joined by Neil Donald Walsh. He needs no introduction, but he is the New York Times bestselling author. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, you don't need to introduce me. You just said <laughs> I need no introduction. Just in case, just oh. in case. <laughs> In case there's, there are two people out there who don't have any idea who I am. That's right. I don't want to leave, leave anybody out. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, folks, here's the introduction that's not needed. <laughs> oh, well, he's the New York Times bestselling author of the legendary Conversations with God series, which was foundational to my own spiritual awakening. And I've talked about that the two other times that Neil has joined on the Meditation Conversation. His books are written with a down-to-earth language that's clear and witty, and he's here to talk about his new release, which is God Talk. This is his 40th book, and it's being released on November 14th, 2023. I was so excited for this third conversation with Neil Donald Walsh. If you haven't yet heard his previous two episodes, check out 185 and 279. In this episode, we dive into his new book, God Talk and all of the wisdom contained within it. I love how he breaks life's spiritual lessons down so easily and practically. A theme of this episode is, how is whatever that is showing up in life right now serving my spiritual development? And this is a great question to help us step back at any moment and assess things from a higher level. So you're going to get so many gems throughout this episode, so we'll dive in. Just as soon as I mention that I have a wonderful retreat coming up in January, and I would love to see you there. We'll be utilizing the sacred grounds of the Tibetan Mongolian Buddhist Cultural Center in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana. There will be meditation, workshops to strengthen your connection to your higher self, sound experiences, beautiful like-hearted souls, and so much more. This is going to be deeply enriching, so go to karagoodwin.com and select Retreats to find out more. And now, enjoy this episode. So welcome, Neil. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Kara. It's lovely to be back here with you as well. And I appreciate the opportunity to share this time with you. I was telling you before we started recording that I was so touched by God Talk. It's such a beautiful and moving book. And I shed so many tears while reading the stories can you tell us a little bit about what sets this book apart from your other works? Yes, I'll do the best I can. A God Talk is really a response to a request that I received. Most authors, myself included, maybe have an idea to write a book, and then they send it to a couple of publishers or to a literary agent to see if they can find a publisher. And that's how all of my other books have been published, the other 39. But this is the first time a publisher actually called me. This is the a, first time that a publisher has called Neil Donald Walsh? No, and asked me to pub, to, to write a book. Really? I can't yeah, believe. No, you no, publishers don't routinely call authors and say, would you write a, a book on a particular topic? Oh, interesting. I figured <clears throat> you get those requests all the time. This no, is how not, little I know. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Usually authors have an idea for a book. They write the book, then they maybe they send it to their agent. The agent calls some publishers. Publishers decide if they want to publish it or not. But it doesn't usually, the idea doesn't usually originate with a publisher. But in this case, my phone rang about a year ago or so, and actually less than a year ago. And then it was the publisher. And they said, would, would you be willing to write a book that answers a question that we hear a lot, which is, can everybody have their own conversation with God? And if so, how would that work? I saw this little process that I used. They said, oh, wow, tell us what that is. Write about that. So I said, okay, fair enough. So I, I produced a, a very short little book. It's not a big, lengthy book. It's a short little, one of those, oh, I can read this on the airplane books. So it's a very short book that you can read in a weekend easily. But, but it, it, it does tell people what a conversation with God is really all about and how they can have their own experience, or at least attempt to have that experience. It gives them a six-step process. And it also includes, because I thought the publisher was very clever, the publishing company on their website invited people 
other than myself, who feel that they have had their own interaction with the divine. They, they asked a simple question. Do you feel that God has ever intervened in your life in a direct way? And a lot of people said, oh, yeah. And so they wrote to the publisher and their story, and the publisher picked out six or seven of the most compelling stories and included those in this book, which we then decided to call the title of the book is God Talk. And it's about how God talks to all of us all the time, how God is talking to everybody all the time. We're simply calling it something else. We might, because we don't want to be ridiculed or possibly marginalized. So nobody walks around saying, yeah, God told me this morning that I should so-and-so. So the average person doesn't speak in those terms. The average person might say, I had an epiphany, or I had a sudden insight, or I had a great idea when I woke up this morning, or, you know, or, or women's intuition. Some people call it women's intuition. We'll find whatever words we can use to describe what really is a conversation with God. So in, in short, uh, that's really what the book is about, how you can have your own experience like that, and uh, how we can put it to practical use in our day-to-day -day life. Yeah, it's so needed and such a worthwhile topic. How do people, how can people distinguish between their thoughts and God speaking to them? I think that there are three characteristics, what I call God talk or messages from the divine. Number one, they're always joyful. Number two, they always speak of freedom. And number three, uh, they're always full of love. That is, they're never, there's never any fear, no apprehension, no fear, nothing about don't worry or, or stop worrying or anything. So there's no, ne never any negative energy of any kind. I know that it's, that the messages that I'm receiving come from the divine when they're joyful, fearless, and full of freedom, mm. freedom to express any aspect of divinity that it feels good for me to bring through in my life. I love where, where, whereas most of my thoughts, frankly, Akira, most of the thoughts that come from my mind, rather than the thoughts that come from the divine, are often filled with apprehension, fear, or if not fear, at least caution. And I need to be aware, I've got to make sure I'm making the right move, I've got to make sure I'm not hurting anyone, blah, 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 blah. So I can tell those thoughts are much different from the thoughts that I receive, the impulses that I get from the God of my understanding. Mm, that's beautiful. Is there anything beyond the thoughts or the words that you that come to you? Do you have a felt sense at all when that feeling comes in? Well, well sometimes. I, I, I had to think about my answer there because there's no one-size-fits-all answer right. to that question. But sometimes, yeah, sometimes yeah. I'll have a feeling come over me even before any thoughts come in, a feeling of serenity, deep peacefulness, a feeling of almost letting go. Uh, but not every time. Sometimes the messages from God just hit me like a thunderbolt. It's just like, oh. uh, i give you one really good example, in which you read about in the book. When I was coming upon that uh, stop sign, people who haven't read the book don't know what we're talking about, so I'll explain it to them. I was driving home from a party one night. It was 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I was going home from a party, uh, and I came upon a stop sign. Now, there's nobody on the road. It was hardly anybody. It was 2.30 in the morning. There was nobody on the road. So, but, I, but I did stop obediently for the stop sign. Then I stepped on the gas to, to go through the intersection. And out of the blue, I heard in my head, stop. Just one word, screaming at me, just stop. And intuitively and automatically, I, my, my foot hit, slammed on the brake. I was not quite up to the intersection. I was bit by, you know, by the stop sign. I had not quite made it to the intersection. I slammed on the brake. And coming across the intersection left to right in front of me, was uh, it had to be a young man. When I caught a glimpse of him in the car, he couldn't have been older than 17 or 18 years old, some young kid, driving so fast that when I first got to the stop sign and looked left and right, there was nobody there. He must have made a quick turn on one of the side streets and then just slammed on the accelerator because he wasn't there 
literally 30 seconds earlier. Wow. But for no apparent reason, no, no logical reason, I heard the word stop. And I stopped. And then he drove through the intersection. If I had not been told to stop, I wouldn't be here to tell you this story. Wow. So sometimes messages come like that. And sometimes they come with a full foretelling, a feeling of peacefulness or serenity, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, but it's not always the same way every single time. Messages from the divine have been come to us at different times in different ways. That's been at least my experience. Yeah, that's one of the things I love so much about the stories in this book is, and we were talking about this again before we started recording, but there's such diversity in the examples of the way that the divine has communicated to people. So some of the stories are really mystical and shamanic even, and some are very practical, very grounded and it's uh, this beautiful array of the different kinds of examples that we're getting these messages from the divine. Yeah, sometimes God talks to us through other people. Mm -hmm. Like one of the stories in the book, I think, is about a mother who heard her 10-year-old son gave her, gave his mother, this 10-year-old boy gave his mother some advice that she was very clear in the aftermath that it came to her directly from God simply using her son as a vehicle through which to speak. So sometimes God is talking to us through other people. And I, I think that's, for, frankly, happens more often than we might know. So I often say to people who don't believe that, that God speaks directly to us, how do you know that she's not talking to you right now? Through this vehicle that you're watching, this podcast that you're watching right now. How do you know this is not God saying, oh, I think I'll use Kara today. <laughs> she looks a lot like me, so I should be able to just talk <laughs> right through her. Oh, yes. I mean, that it, it's so true. And you do that in the book, too, where it's, oh, maybe you're just reading a book and it's and the messages are being delivered right through that vehicle right there. And I love that, too, of just you know, what is in front of you? You talk about like the container of this human experience being all of it is part of God's, it's part of God's toolkit. Everything within your life is part of the divine experience and all of it can be used at any given point to try to drive home a message to you. And I just, I loved that. I loved the feeling of that container, the life container, and it's beautiful. I'm glad that it, it affected you in that way. That was my intention. That yeah. People would really get that message that God yeah. is talking to all of us all the time. I, I And I love that because we can talk about life and death things like the the car example where you were you avoided an accident because you listened to God's strong instruction. And then we have these little things just throughout our day that we can pick up on that we may even think of as coincidences. But like I was watching a webinar this today while I was having lunch, I just turned on 10 minutes of some talk that I wanted to catch up on. And this woman was talking about using um, a ring. She's like, you can use a ring and then you can use it to help train your brain in a certain way. And you can like close one eye and look through it and then close the other eye. And eventually you can keep doing this specific exercise and then you can see where they intersect and like practice on focusing on both rings at the same time. I'm probably not explaining this very well, but anyway, so I'm eating my lunch and I'm like, oh, where can I get a ring? Some kind of little ring that I can use this exercise. Once I'm finished eating lunch. I've got to find a ring. And she's going, and it can be anything. It can be a mason jar ring or something. And that's the only example that she gave, except for the thing that she was holding. And the only thing anywhere near me was this little mason jar that I had gotten out of my fridge that had been almost empty in my fridge for months. And I'd finally gotten it out yesterday and I cleaned it to give it to my stepmom tonight. And it was the only thing on the table was a mason jar. And I'm like, oh, 
isn't that something that the one example that this presenter gives is the one thing that is sitting right next to me that I don't have to go and get so I could practice my little exercise while I had lunch. <laughs> and I was like, what a gift that is, you know? Yeah, and I have only one question about that. Do you have to be a member of the Masons to use the jar? <laughs> is the Mason Bottling Company, is that part of the Mason group? <laughs> no, I, I oh, no, they're Masons. Freemasons, aren't they? Yeah, 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 Freemasons. <laughs> but it's interesting because it's geometry. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. It all comes together. Yeah, it's all everything, related. Everything is a circle. <laughs> all of life is a circle. Exactly. Yes. I love that. One of the things, too, that you emphasize is the gifts in the present moment. And there's the story of the turtle dove, and you say after that story, neither mourn nor miss what is going on right in front of you. Look for its profound purpose in moving you forward in your own evolution. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the present moment and the gifts that we have when we actually let ourselves be in the present moment. Yeah, I, I, I'll do the best I can, Kara, because my experience in life has been at least for me, I can't speak for anybody else, but I can tell you in my own life, Kara, I can't even count the number of present moments that I was not present for in the earlier part of my life. Up until around 30 years ago or 30, 25 years ago, I was just letting life go right by me, right and left. And I, I simply wasn't available to I wasn't open to what was going on right in front of my face. Both the events that I might have mourned and that I might have celebrated, either one. Because, But what I've come to understand since my conversations with God is that everything that's happening to me is of benefit to me. And that was a hard one for me to grapple with, really until I saw it from God's point of view. I've come here to evolve. That is, I've, I've come to the realm of the physical. I'm a spiritual entity. Not This is not who I am. This is just a piece of equipment. My body is just a tool. My mind is not who I am either. My mind is just a tool, a sophisticated tool for sure, but it's not my identity. I see that my true identity is that I'm a spiritual entity having a body and having a mind, and using these tools in order to complete the agenda of the soul. The agenda of the soul is to provide myself with the experience through the demonstration thereof, the experience of who I really am as an individuation of divinity. That is, to put it in simple language, Kara, I choose to simply, I want to know myself experientially. I don't want to just know myself conceptually. And the example I like to use in, in, in the book and, and whenever I talk to people is, it's one thing for me to say I'm a generous person. Okay, I know myself as Neil the generous guy. I'm a generous guy. I say that and I really think that's true of myself. But it's one thing to know that about myself. It's a totally different thing to actually be able to experience it through the demonstration of it. So if I want to really experience myself as Neil the Generous, then I will see every moment in life as an opportunity to be generous with my time, with my talents, with my gifts, yes, with my money, with my patience, with my understanding, and with my love. To be generous, and not, and not just generous in the obvious ways, but sometimes in ways that are not quite as obvious, going out and hugging a tree. That's what I call being generous with my love. The other day, we, my, my sweetheart, my lovely wife, brought in a whole basket full of apples from the apple tree out back. They were so delicious, so sweet, unbelievably good apples. And I, was, I just felt so good about the apple I was eating. I finally put it down on the countertop and I said, I'll be back in a minute. I went out to the backyard, and I literally gave the tree a hug. Oh. I, I know it sounds like a wacko thing to do. But no, that sounds amazing. In, in my heart, it didn't feel wacko. It felt 
it's just something I wanted to do. I want because I know the tree is a living entity, and I'm a living entity. So I just ran out there and gave it a little hug, and I said, "Thank you for this wonderful bounty. Thank you for these beautiful apples. Thank you for gifting us with the fruit of who you are." And so I gave, I just gave it a big hug, and I, I actually kissed the tree. And I walked back into the house. I'm sure if one of the neighbors saw me, they'd say, oh, uh, Neil has lost it again. <laughs> but that's how I notice, uh, I call notice the moment. MTM, notice the moment. Just notice what's going on in your life. Good, bad, or indifferent. Doesn't have to be a positive experience. It could be what you would call an unwelcome event. But see the gift in every event in life. Because ultimately, even the so-called unwelcome events I've learned in my life have served me in the sense that it's moved me forward in the process that I call my own evolution. That is, I've learned something, remembered something from almost all the events of my life, including those events that I would call unwelcome or not necessarily positive. I was told in conversations with God, Neil, there's no such thing as a coincidence. There are no coincidences. Nothing happens by chance. But once you understand that, then you realize, ah, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Mm. Or as my friend Bill would have said, Bill put it a little more poetically in one of his plays. He said, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, that are dreamt of in your philosophy. Mm. <laughs> your friend William Shakespeare <laughs> yeah he was a great metaphysician people don't really often see him as a metaphysical teacher but who else but a metaph metaphysical teacher would say to be or not to be that is the question whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to rise up against the sea of troubles by opposing to end them, to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. I there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come. A friend of mine actually wrote a, or directed and produced a movie titled What Dreams May Come. Oh, that's your friend? Stephen Simon directed and, and produced it, that film. Yeah, Stephen and I are very close friends. We're like brothers. Oh, that is that with Robin Williams? Yes, absolutely. Which, that's an amazing film. Yes, that's it is. That's a very medical, metaphysical film. And I met Robin when he was at, at the opening of that movie because I know Stephen well. Stephen, of course, invited me down to Hollywood for the opening of that film. Yeah. So Stephen Simon and I have known each other for twenty-five years, and yeah, but that's a, another example of how God works in our life. Wow! Nothing happens by chance. Mm. That's incredible. There's so much there. That movie is incredible. If anybody's listening and they haven't watched that movie, that's a very mind-expanding movie. And then Stephen wrote a book at my urging. I said, Steve, I want you to write a book because his wife, God bless her, passed on but now about seven or eight years ago. He, he She said, I'm going to sleep in late today. I'm feeling a little drowsy. So he said, okay, honey. And he went down to his office to go to work. Uh, and then he, but he realized that at nine or nine or nine thirty, she still wasn't up. So he went to her, to their bedroom and said, honey, are you going to be getting up? How late are you sleeping? And she was gone. Oh my gosh. She simply wasn't alive anymore. Wow. And of course, he was devastated. And naturally, when I found out about it, I joined him. I immediately flew to his side and spent the next five days with him because we were very close. Mm -hmm. So I stayed with him for five days and helped him move through his grief. But I told the story for a reason. She's she wrote a book with him after she left. Oh, my she God. She joined him. She joined him. And he, he said to me one day, I'm hearing from her. I'm hearing from her all the time. Every day I hear she's talking to me all the time. I said, Stephen, you got to take down what she's saying and write a book together. And you're going to call the book What Dreams Have Come. 
Oh. Yeah. I have chills. That's so amazing. So he's written a book, and it's been out now a couple of years, called What Dreams Have Come. All the messages he's received from her from the other side. Fantastic book. Fantastic book. What Dreams Have Come. How about that? That's incredible. I'm going to have to check that one out, too. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. When you also talk about God's, how God's messages might be unexpected, and then we might miss them because we're not expecting them where we get them. So there's a another story in there called Wear Skirts. And after that story, you say, when we ask God directly for help, it's important to pay attention to what happens next. Look closely at everything, and I mean everything that comes your way in the moments that follow a plea to the divine. So can you expand a little bit on that of how our the expectations may make us miss what the response is? That's exactly. You've said it perfectly. We're expecting, if we even expect a response, many people don't think that God really answers us directly. <clears throat> but even if we are expecting a response, we sometimes have it set up in our mind that it's going to look a certain way. And so we look right past what's actually happening, what's actually going on. I don't, if I ask God for help of any kind, boy, I pay attention to everything. Everything that's going on. What the mailman said to me when I met him at the post office, what I just heard on the radio, the song that I just heard on the car radio by non-coincidence, the lyrics of which happen to be directly associated with what I'm going through right now. Or, or whatever. So I, I make sure that I really, if I'm going to ask God for help, God is going to say to me, okay, pal, I'll give you some help. But you got to look at everything yeah. that's going on for the next 48 hours, because otherwise you might miss the messages that I'm sending you that will come in a thousand different ways across a hundred different moments in the next two days or in the foreseeable future. So I've learned to pay attention to things that seemingly are not associated or directly related to the request for help that I've made. And, But you know what, Tara? Actually, I don't ask God for help anymore in in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've changed in in the past several years because of my conversations with God experience have changed the way I relate to the divine. Now I don't ask God for help. Now I thank God for the help I've already been given. In fact, my favorite prayer, I've often shared this with people in my lectures and so forth, but my favorite prayer has become, thank you, God, for helping me to understand that this problem has already been solved for me. I love that. Thank you for helping me to understand that this problem has already been solved for me. And then I start looking for it, therefore I can recognize, that is, I can recognize, that is, I can know again, to recognize, to know again. Then I can recognize that the solution has already occurred. Now, don't let it just fly right past me. Oh, that's right. It's already happened. This problem has already been solved. And I still think the problem is ahead of me, waiting for me to to bring a solution. Or my second favorite prayer, sometimes I've shared with other people, thank you, God, for helping me to know that all that I need right now is on its way to me now. Everything I need is on its way to me right now. And you know what's funny? It's a magnet. Because as soon as I declare it, it occurs. What you say has powerful, powerful intention. Not not just powerful intention, powerful, how would I put it, results. I remember the guy who was following Jesus down the street one day. 
he was following him on his knees, actually, because he couldn't walk very. He had you know, some serious problems with his body. And he, he reached up and grabbed Jesus' robe, and he said, or tried to anyway, but Jesus' disciples were pushing him away. Leave him alone, leave him alone. And Jesus turned around and he said, what, what, what are you doing? Don't tell him to, don't push him away. How can I help you? He said to the guy, and the guy on his knees, he said, if I could just touch your garment, if I could just touch your robe, my body would be healed. Because you're a master, and I see that. And Jesus looked at the man, and he said, do you believe that? And the man said, yes, I do. And Jesus said, as you speak it, so shall it be done unto you. And put his robe into the man's hand. And the man stood up for the first time in 25 years and walked away. And his disciples said to Jesus, how, how, are they, how did you do that? It's a miracle. To which Jesus is known to have replied, Why are you so amazed? These things and more shall you do also. So, so moving, so beautiful. And the power of words, the power of belief as well is, is profound. And it's very interesting from my own perspective, and I just highlight this because I wonder how many of the listeners may experience the same thing, but there are so many things that you bring up that I'm relating, oh, I dreamt about that. I dreamt, or and oh, that's like a conversation I had two days ago, or all these little things in my own world like light up of how you're like pointing with your with your words. And it, like you say, just that that divinity that speaks through you that then lights up those data points in our own lives that's yes there's one thing that's happening here <laughs> you know if we live our lives as metaphysical beings rather than physical beings we are physical beings but we're also metaphysical beings meta meaning larger than mm. so we're larger than physical beings we are metaphysical entities spiritual beings having a physical experience. Once I began moving through life as a metaphysical being and not just a physical being, then my focus changed. I wasn't so concerned only with matters of the body or ideas in the mind. I didn't discard all of those, but they weren't my main point of focus. My main point of focus is, what's my soul up to now? What is the spirit that I am up to now? There's something that I'm being invited to be, do, or have. Something I'm being invited to experience or to demonstrate in order to complete, in this moment, the agenda of the soul. And the agenda of the soul has nothing to do with what I thought it was. My agenda when I was a younger guy, I thought, get the girl, get the car. Not necessarily in that order. Get the car, get the girl, <laughs> get the job get the wife, get the kids, get the better job, get the better house, get the better car, get the office in your in the corner with your name on the door, get the building on the corner with your name on the building, and then get the cruise tickets, and then get the illness, get the gray hair, get the grandchildren, get the worse sickness, and then get the hell out. And that's what I, honestly, Kara, that's what I thought life was about when I was 42 years old. That's really what I thought was going on. And I, was out, I was out there like everybody else, just trying to make the best of it. I didn't ask to come here. I didn't, I don't recall asking to come here. I just showed up one, one day. Here I am. <laughs> who, who asked for this? And then they're just trying to make the best of it. And then God said to me in my conversations with God, oh, sweetie, sweetie, sweetie. You have no idea what's going on here, do you? 
you really think this is the sum and substance of it? Wow. So we had a long talk. <laughs> and then God said to me, yeah, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Yeah. Which is, by the way, what's interesting, what every great master, Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, bless his holy name, Baha'u'llah, Buddha, Catherine of Genoa, Julian of Norwich, Mother Mary, Joan of Arc, all the great masters, male and female through the years, have said the exact same thing. Each in their own words, but the message has been the same. Folks, there's more going on here than meets the eye. You think this is the sum and substance of it? You literally don't know the half of it. You're living half your life. And it might be okay. You'll get through it, and you'll die, but when you're, if you're lucky enough to die of that kind of a death, where your head is on your pillow on your deathbed, and you're looking up to your loved ones, if you're lucky enough to be in that situation, thinking to yourself, was that it? Was that really it? Is that all there is? And then you get to the other side and go, of course. Can I have another chance? Can I get another chance? <laughs> And you will reincarnate, and you will reincarnate, and you will reincarnate over and over again until finally you use one of your lifetimes to, I hate to use such a hackneyed phrase, but you then use one of your lifetimes to wake up. And to use this physical experience for the purpose for which it was originally intended. That you could announce and declare, express and fulfill become an experience who you really are. Oh, and by the way, the fastest way to experience, that's supposed to be your next question. Neil, what is the fastest way to experience that? What is the fastest way to experience that? Strange you should ask. <laughs> it's almost like I read your mind. <laughs> The fastest way to experience who you really are is to cause another to experience who they really are. Conversations with God made it very clear to me. I said, God, okay, what is it that I don't understand? Obviously, there's something I don't understand here about life, the understanding of which would change everything. And God said, oh, sweetheart, it's so simple. You think your life is about you. And your life has nothing to do with you. Your life is about everyone whose life you touch and the way in which you touch it. Because you're much bigger than you think you are. I know you think that you're that body sitting over there. But you and everyone else are one. The opportunity in your life is to demonstrate whatever you wish to experience in your old life, be the source of it in the life of another. And I never forget when God said this to me. She said, Neil, I know you think it's very stylish. It really makes you feel good to say that you're a seeker. I am a seeker. And you number yourself among the seekers of the world. You're seeking truth. You're seeking understanding. You're seeking divinity. You're seeking wisdom. You're seeking clarity. You're seeking all those positive aspects of life. You are a seeker. But Neil, stop seeking. You are not a seeker. You are the source of all those things. What do you think I sent you down there without giving you those gifts already? You think I just sent you down there? This is the God you believe in who says, good luck. Have a good time. I hope you can learn enough fast enough, because if not, you're going to be pretty miserable. Is that how the kind of God you think I am? Neil, is there a tree outside your window? 
He said, yeah, there, there is actually, as it happens, a beautiful oak tree right outside my window. She said, is it a really tall tree? I said, yeah, it's probably 25, 30 feet tall, beautiful canopy. And God said to me, what has the tree learned since it was a seed no bigger than your fingernail? And I said, well, it hasn't learned anything. It just grew into itself. God said, Neil, are you trying to tell me that I planted everything that, this, that the tree needed to know to be that beautiful tree outside your window? That I put all that information into the seed when it was no bigger than your fingernail? I said, well, I guess you could put it that way. To which God replied, and if I so loved the tree, would I not all the more love you? Therefore, stop seeking and start seeking. Whatever you think you want more of in your life, more patience, more understanding, more wisdom, more clarity, more, more of anything, more humor, whatever you think you want more of in your life, be the source of it in the life of another. See it in them. Let them know that you see it in them. Don't mince words. Tell them straight out. I see you. You know, there's a great movie. I don't know whether you saw this movie, Kara, a few years ago, but I forgot the name of it now. And it was a great film in which the uh, phrase, there's a wonderful love story, but the phrase, I love you, was never used in the entire story. Oh. No character ever said, I love you, to any other character, even though it was a love story. You know what they said to each other? I see you. I see you. The other one would say, I see you too. So, God said to me, Neil, it's really very simple. Make sure that you are the source. Cause another person to see themselves because you have seen them as who they really are. Give people back to themselves. Be the source of what you want in your own life, in the life of another. Because what flows through you sticks to you. And what you give to another, you wind up giving to yourself. Because guess what? There's only one of us in the room. Wow. And there was a guy who put this much more plainly in a lot fewer words a few years ago. He simply said, do unto others as you would have it done unto you. Voila. Mm. So simple. It's beautiful. Beautiful. One more thing that I would love to talk about with you is this civil rights movement for the soul. You make the point in the book about what is needed on earth now is a civil rights movement for the soul, freeing humanity at last from the oppression of its beliefs in a violent, angry, and vindictive God. So can you talk a little bit about this and the importance of talking about God? Yes, See, the problem we have in the world today is that we live in a reward and punishment world. That is, we, the largest number of people, by the way, on the earth believe in some sort of higher power. We may not all agree on who, who and what God is or what God wants or what our relationship with God should be. But eight out of 10 people, surveys have shown, I'm not making this number up, sociologists have taken surveys over the past 10 years asking people all over the world a single question. Do you believe in a higher power? And statistically, 8.5 out of 10 people said yes, they believe in a higher power. So virtually 85% of the world's people be believe in some kind of higher power. But what they believe about the higher power drives the engine of our experience. And most people who believe in a higher power believe in a God 
that is loving for sure, but also judgmental, condemning, and punishing. In other words, it's a my way or the highway kind of God. Either you do things my way or hit the highway. And it's going to be the road to hell, by the way, while you're at it. So you do things my way or I will punish you with everlasting damnation. And it would be bad enough if we had that misunderstanding about God, which most people hold. They hold God in that way. God is someone who loves us for sure. But if you disobey God's commands or God's laws or God's desires, uh, then you'll, you'll go to hell. And uh, virtually all the world's major religions and most of its smaller religions teach some version of that reward and punishment kind of universe. Now, you might say, so what? It's just a belief system. But in fact, it tries the engine of our experience because we believe that what's good enough for God is good enough for us. So we copy what we understand God's behavior to be toward us. We copy that in our behavior toward each other. We therefore also judge, condemn, and punish each other when the other person or country or nation or party, when the other party does not give us what we think that we should have, what we deserve, or what we want. And that reward and punishment scenario is being played out right now as we speak in Ukraine and regrettably on this very day. Gaza and the Gaza Strip and what happened in Israel just a few days ago because people believe in a reward and punishment universe you did this to me I'm going to do this to you you won't listen to me I'll force you to listen to me and of course there's also the self-defense mechanism I'm not taking sides here I'm not making anybody right or wrong. But here's what I was told. Neil, all attack is called a defense. Even if it's just a simple argument you're having with your loved one across the kitchen. A disagreement you're having in your own home. All attack is called a defense. Hmm. So just realize that who you are does not have to defend itself. What would we do if we simply decided that there must be a better way? Surely humanity can figure out a better way to solve its disagreements than the way that we're using in Ukraine. For Israel, for Gaza, or for that matter, in our own kitchen. And so I invite people to ask themselves a single question when they're confronted with anything in life, whether they're reading on the internet of something that's happening around the world or looking at something that's happening in their own kitchen. Life's powerful question. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? The other day, my wife and I were not having the most pleasant moment. We love each other dearly, deeply, really deeply. But you would live with somebody 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're going to have a moment where things aren't going as well as you would like. It's just as simple as that. So we were having just, just a little bit of a difference in our energies one, one moment not, not so long ago. I stopped myself because the old Neil would have needed to justify and to be right about everything because, of course, I am right about everything. <laughs> so I said to myself as I was ready to go on the attack with my wife verbally, I said to myself, wait a minute. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? My soul has come here to this planet to experience an aspect of who I am. What does what's going on right now with the lady that I'm spending my life with, what does that have to do with the agenda of my soul? And the answer, can you ask yourself that question, is given to you immediately. That's what I call 
a conversation with God because God will whisper in your ear, Neil, this is an opportunity for you to demonstrate a particular aspect of who you really are. That which cannot be hurt, damaged, injured, upset, or angered in any way. What if you chose to use this moment for that purpose? And then you get to walk across the kitchen and say to your wife as you hold her in your arms, I'm sorry, sweetheart, that we've had a moment of unpleasantness this morning. And what I want you to know is that I love you more than anything. And nothing that matters. It costs us to have a difference of opinion. It's not important. What's important is I love you. Full stop. And I need nothing back from you to continue loving you. What a different place this would be if we were all embodying ourselves from that perspective. That would be a civil rights movement. <laughs> Freeing humanity at last from the oppression of its beliefs in a violent, angry, and vindictive species called humanity. I love it. And I believe that we eventually can get there. And like you mentioned, the setbacks that we've had the last year, 18 months or so, the newest ones being in Israel and Gaza, it feels like we all need that reminder of how we could evolve, <laughs> what it could be like eventually on this planet. Let's hope. Thank you for this chance to spend this time with you, Kara. Yes. Very much appreciated it. And if people feel they'd like to learn more about how they can access messages from the divine, they might find it interesting to pick up a copy of the book titled God Talk. And that's out November 14th, right? Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Neil. I really appreciate this time with you and, and all of your wisdom. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Back at you. Thank you. It's very sweet of you to give me the opportunity to share this time with you. Blessed be. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to ask you for one quick favor, and that's to share this episode with one person who you think will benefit from it. Let them know you're thinking about them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation. Mm -hmm.